he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. Welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 3, Episode 11, Vendetta. And here to talk with you about it, as we always are, I'm your host Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and with me, as always, is Audie. Audie, how are you this week? Doing good. Just coming off a camping trip with uh, my family and my wife's extended family. We had fun. Nice. Nice. I saw a couple of your pictures. Looked like you guys were having a, a fun time. Yeah, we didn't get rained out like we did last year. Like That's we got good. soaking wet last year, so this year that did not happen. So it was much better. Yeah, yeah. I I camped a lot growing up, and those were the worst. Is when it would rain because you're just stuck mm. sitting in a car, sitting in a tent the whole time. Yeah, it was terrible. We we made the bad call of trying to set up a tent just as it started raining, hoping we could beat it. Mm-mm, that never didn't works. Work. Never works. No. Oh well, we had. Uh, we had an episode this week. Um, we did. <laughs> Vendetta. Uh, it's got a... I'm a bit torn on this one. Um, we'll get into it a little bit. It's got some mm-hmm. interesting ideas and I think some plot threads that I kind of wish they would have gone with instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it's yet another episode. I can't say it's bad um, per se, but we'll we'll kind of break down sort of where we think, where we feel on this. Right. Overall, I like the concept. I think it's just almost out there for a Highlander episode. Almost. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's some execution issues I have that we will we will talk about. Um, but before we do, we have a Watcher Chronicle. Yeah. I think we should listen to that first. Let's go. January thirtieth, nineteen ninety five. We just got word from Danny Wago that Benny Carbasa is in town. I looked at his file, and I honestly don't know how this guy is even still alive. Sure, he's an immortal, but I mean, he's just so useless. He's a hanger-on, still clinging to the mobster life of the 1930s when he first died. I am honestly surprised that no one has taken his head yet. I guess it's true that even among immortals, sometimes it's not what you know, but who you know. That's the only thing I can think of that's kept him alive this long. We open up the episode at the docks, and there's a guy. He's getting fit for cement shoes. They got his feet in a tub. Literal cement shoes. Yep, yep. And he's trying everything he can to talk his way out of it. And and during the conversation, you start to get the feeling that maybe he is an immortal because he doesn't have a problem getting shot or getting stabbed. He just doesn't want to be dumped into the river wearing cement on his feet. So... Mm -hmm. uh, show tipping its hand just a little bit there. Um, but the old mobster, Simon, don't call him Sid, uh, isn't nope. buying any of this guy's uh, you know, talk. And it finally, the guy whose name is Benny, convinces Simon to let him go so that he can bring him the grandson, quote, of Duncan McLeod. Because he <laughs> knows him, and Duncan knows this, uh, Duncan's grandson knows a secret. 
that Simon doesn't want to get out. So he reluctantly right. agrees, and um, turns out Benny is a <clears throat> old friend of Duncan's, because who isn't? Mm-hmm. He goes to the dojo to find him. Duncan's coming down in the elevator and overhears, hears Benny's voice. And I love that moment because he's like, oh, no, I don't want to talk to this guy. And he's trying to sneak <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, it's almost like Looney Tunes. He, he like, you can see him doing the high step tiptoeing, trying to, trying to not make sound is great. Um, and if that isn't a metaphor for this episode, I don't know what is. <laughs> it really, really is. Um, right down to like some of the music in it was mm-hmm. like overly comical. Um, so as Duncan is trying to sneak out, Benny notices him, runs over. Hey, how you doing, Duncan? You know, they're, they're, they're old buddies. But Duncan, of course, is like, well, how much money do you need? Immediately. <laughs> um, doesn't trust him. And then you get Richie. When Richie hears that he knew Al Capone, of course, he latches right onto that. And Benny's, Benny's all about it. And he offers to take him for lunch and he'll buy. So Duncan's like, oh, I've got to see this. <laughs> yeah. And just as they're about to leave the dojo, who shows up but Anne. And we haven't seen her for an episode. She wants mm-hmm. to talk to Duncan. So Duncan sends mm-hmm. uh, sends Benny and Richie off, says, I'll meet you at Joe's, and um, talks to Anne for a little bit. Anne isn't giving up quite yet. She wants to keep the relationship going. So she tells Duncan she's not going to push. Those are her exact words. And That's they what pr- she says anyways. Right. <laughs> That's what she says is she's not going to push and they make a they they make a date for the following night at some big gala benefit event she's gotta go to. Uh so then we cut to Joe's and Benny and Richie and Duncan are sitting around having lunch. Benny's telling stories about the mob and, and Richie's just eating it up. He's just loving it. Mm-hmm. Um Benny says, I gotta go make a phone call. Of course, there's more jokes about Duncan saying, like, hey, they haven't even brought the check yet for you to skip out on. Um right. Now, all this kind of stuff. Anything, any, as things go, they go to leave and some thugs show up to beat up Benny. One of whom looked awful familiar, didn't he? Because mm-hmm. he, was, he was the boxer in The Fighter. Um, right. So we saw him in that. Plus, he's, you know, he was a, from like 93 to 99, he was the, if you needed a thug in something, he was one of the guys you called. Right. Um, especially uh, like in a, in a lower budget thing. Mm-hmm. Um Duncan dispatches them. They go back to the loft. Benny explains to him, yeah, I owe some money around town. I'm, I'm going to a, a, a poker game tonight. I need you to come with me. There's somebody there that owes me money. You know, just telling him with whatever story he can to get Duncan to go with him, mm-hmm. which is all a ruse. They get to the dock, and Benny turns him over to Simon. Simon recognizes him right away um, for obvious reasons. Duncan hasn't changed. Uh, right. Duncan doesn't know who Simon is, though, which... Is interesting and, and actually will lead me to a thing that I think is weird later on. Um, so Duncan doesn't recognize him, but Benny kind of turns on him, clocks him, knocks him out. Mm-hmm. They put handcuffs on him, dump him in the river or the the sound, whatever, the body of water that's there. And right. and basically Benny's like, there you go. Your guy's dead. I'm not going to bother you anymore. And Simon's like, fine, we're square. Uh, they, they assume that they killed him. The next morning, Benny goes to find him. Duncan... <laughs> is pissed and rightfully so. And another one of those really great cartoony moments as he's coming out of the water, the look on his face (laughs) is so good because it's so over the top. I love that. Mm -hmm. The look, the way he talks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right down to the, like 
promise me you won't kill me. Yeah, okay. Takes the cuffs off, immediately tries to smack him, and he's like, you promised I lied. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. all of it. It's, a, it's, it's just all of that. But uh, Benny starts explaining who Simon is and that he used to be named Sid Lankowski. And then we get our flat. We get a flashback to the Coconut Lounge in 1938. Um, skip ahead a little bit. Duncan, he's upset with Benny, and he has every right to be upset with Benny. Richie's sort of trying to smooth things over. He's like, Benny's downstairs. He feels bad. Duncan isn't buying it. Um, there's a great bit of immortal humor there, where he's like, but he feels really bad about what he did. Come on, give the guy another chance. He's like, he killed me. <laughs> it's pretty yeah pretty, not really yeah but it, i mean come on but uh so duncan's on his way out it's the next day he's on his way out for his date with uh ann you know thankfully they hadn't made their date for the night before or it would have been really awkward um, yeah so they he, he goes with her to the benefit and at the benefit turns out there's simon lang and his wife margaret who uh through the interaction with someone else we find out is somebody that uh, we met during the flashback. Her name was Peggy. She was a singer. She's now with Simon. Um, who in, had an encounter with Duncan. Yep, who had an encounter with Duncan. They see Duncan, um, and both of them recognize him immediately with very different reactions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and they decide to leave the party early, do, do Duncan and Anne, and Anne continues to not push uh, by just asking more and more questions and pushing. Although Duncan Duncan's really good at kind of deflecting it as much as he can. Mm -hmm. um, well, she's asking all these questions as they go straight to bed together. It's like, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, let's just go straight there. Um, eventually, they go to head out, probably, I'm guessing, the next morning um, or later that night, and so, uh, a, a guy shows up at the dojo to try and shoot Duncan. And nearly mm -hmm. shoots Anne. He he knocks him away. They get away. Duncan decides, that's it. I'm going to go end this. And he goes to talk to Simon and also to Margaret, uh, as it turns out. When he gets to the house, he talks to her for a little bit. She's, of course, lamenting being old while Duncan looks so much like his grandfather. Um, mm -hmm. And this and that and the other thing. Uh, it eventually comes out, what we learn through the flashbacks, is that uh, Simon, when he was Sid set up Duncan and his brother, Joey, to look like they killed each other. And then he had Peggy, who was Joey's girlfriend, become his wife uh, and lied to her for over 50 years. Mm -hmm. She learns of this as Simon is yelling at, uh, at Duncan, who, again, he still thinks is his, you know, the Duncan he knew's grandfather or grandson. Right. Um, and just before he can shoot... Uh, he shot Benny, and just before he can shoot Duncan, she unloads on him, kills yeah, him. Yeah, she does. And we wrap things up with, uh, you know, everything's kind of eh, basically cleared up. Um, and Duncan puts Benny on a bus for Chicago, and that ends the episode. <laughs> it's uh, got some ups and downs, some weird weird things going on in it, but I, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I think first what we'll talk about is our special guest because that's I got some thoughts. Mm -hmm. Can't we at least talk about this, huh? I mean, <laughs> what the hell did I do to deserve this? In light of your current predicament, Mr. Carbas, I'd say you tried to blackmail the wrong man. Now look, Sid. Don't call me Sid. So our special guest this week, uh, Benny Carbasa, is played by Tony Rosado. Um, yeah, he was. <laughs> this is okay. 
So this is not a knock on Tony Rosato as an actor um, or a comedian or a writer. Uh, he was he was on SCTV um, in the late 70s, early 80s. He was on SNL for a year or two um, in like 81, 82. He's still working today. He's been doing a whole lot of stuff. Um, he's the most annoying thing in this episode uh, by <laughs> far for me. And I think what it was is for me, the character of Benny was too much. He was hmm. too slapstick. He was too silly. He was too kind of dial that back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it works better because he's not the focus of the story either. Like he's the least in interesting storyline because he's not given anything to flesh him out. He doesn't have an arc. Right. He doesn't change throughout the course of the episode. He's the same guy at the end when he gets on the bus or leaves for the bus as he was when he showed up at the beginning of it. Nothing's really yeah. different about him. And they, I think they just let Tony Rosato maybe ad-lib a little too much. Mm-hmm. And that's where it, it kind of lost me. I don't know. You might have enjoyed it a little bit better and other people may enjoy it better. And it's not... It's not bad or unwatchable. I just kind of wish that it wasn't quite what it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, I enjoyed it well enough. I think this is one of those where they were having, the writers were having fun. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just a little bit out of place compared to the rest of this series, especially this season and how serious we've gotten between Duncan and Anne and Richie finding his place and, you know, dealing with stuff with Joe, like everything has gotten a lot more, not like bad serious, but just like, okay, we're going somewhere with this. And then we get to this episode that just feels like almost slapstick compared to everything else we've seen. It um, does. And I think so. like when Hugh Fitzcarran was introduced, Roger Daltrey plays him pretty goofy. Mm hmm. But not every single scene is played that way. And there's right. moments where he where he reins it in. And I think mm-hmm. that's my problem is that Rosado is always Benny Benny is always at a ten. Yeah. With the with the kind of madcap and the and and all of his movements and, and all the little sounds that he makes and all that. And I feel like mm-hmm. they need it that's that's fine. Just just be a little more judicious with that. Right. And also, like you said, not having him in any way change at the end is what makes it feel so slapsticky. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, he's the fun cousin coming in and he's just fun the whole time, no matter what's going on. And when he leaves, he's still the fun cousin. And we just have to deal with that. And it's like, okay, that doesn't exactly make sense compared to the story we've just seen and what he's been through. I feel like I would have liked to seen a little, not like the sparkle is gone, but just like, okay, somebody's eyes are opened up a little bit more. Yeah. Something but we don't like get that. that at all. Well, and not only that, but you've got a character who's supposed to be, he's an immortal, right? And mm-hmm. the immortals all fight and at least have some ability to take care of themselves. How is Benny still alive? That is what was I want my last know. note on this show is like, how is he still here? So in a, in a show where I am suspending as much disbelief as I am with everything that goes on with it, that's almost like it's a bridge too far. Like there's no way this dude would have made it this long and still had his head on his shoulders in this world. Yeah. Given the, the, just given the other, yeah. 
the only way I can explain it away is that when he meets McCloud in the flashbacks, we'll talk about he's new to being a mortal then. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think he's an old immortal like McCloud at all. I no, think no, he's, no. you know, just maybe a hundred years old or something like he's, he's old enough to, you know, know the things he's supposedly knows the things he's talking about to Richie and stuff, mm-hmm. and old gangsters and stuff. But I wonder how many times he was like, yeah, just shoot me, just stab me and gets away with it from that. Oh, for you know, sure. Whatever situation he's in. And, but has never, it feels like somehow he's, McCloud's like one of the only immortals he's known, and he's just kind of skipped through the whole immortality thing. It's got to be something with that. It's it's a situ it's a situation of not what you know, but who you know. And he must have just known mm-hmm. the right people to never get in that situation. I, it's, right. it's weird because it just feels like if that kid from a few episodes ago is still alive and taking heads right. and hasn't been killed yet, and he's like physically just outmatched by every other immortal. I feel like Benny would have died shortly after becoming an immortal. Like somebody would have mm-hmm. found him and somebody would have taken him out. Um, so, you know, there's that, but then it, it's, it's the combination of that and then him just not having any kind of an arc. Like he doesn't yeah. learn anything. They sort of try to make it feel like he does when he has this moment with Richie where Richie's kind of had enough of him by that point. And he's like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you should try getting a real job. And he's kind of like, well, yeah, but who would hire me? But then by yeah. the by the next scene, you see him, and he's just back to being Benny, and he's right. he's exactly the same. So, and then when you when you juxtapose that with what's going on with the other characters in this episode, with so Ken Pogue plays Sid uh, Lankowski, mm-hmm. aka uh, Simon Lang, um, and he's so serious, and he's so like the diametric. Mm-hmm opposition to what Benny is as a character and a characterization. Um, it feels that much more jarring. Like it makes Benny feel right. that much more slapsticky. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, and Ken, I mean, Ken Pogue is, he's a, one of those character actors. He got, you know, he had a couple hundred credits, I think, or a hundred something credits. And he's, he's in a bunch of stuff, lots of TV, lots of movies. Um, he's a, he's a good presence. He was fine. Um, mm-hmm. again, very one note and he doesn't get a whole lot to do, but his couple of scenes that he gets are pretty good. Right. Um, but, and that was a lot of it. The, um, uh, young and old, uh, Peggy McCall, who becomes Margaret Lang, uh, played by Tamara Gorski, uh, when she's younger and then Stella Stevens when she grows up. Um, both of them, uh, same thing. They're kind of those character actors. Uh, they show up mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff. Um, Stella yeah. Stevens had a ton of credits. And they're both fine. I actually thought Stella Stevens uh, as Margaret Lang, um, I mean, she gets the emotional weight in this episode, and I thought she did fine. Yeah. Yeah, the only one, like, Edgar Davis Jr. was in there as Joey. Mm -hmm. He was fine. I thought he did all right for his thing. Um, Michael, how do you pronounce that? Uh, Sunzik. Sunzik? Sunzik? Yeah. As uh, young Sid? He was the one that I was just like, okay, they kind of skipped a beat with this one. <laughs> yeah. Like he just, he seemed very green as an actor and just was, was not on the same page as everybody else. No. Especially when Joey is killed and you've got Tamara Gorski just chewing the scenery with her acting. And he's just like, it's okay. I will take care of you. Yeah. It's like, okay, dude. I mean, this was his third 
acting credit uh, after playing Marine Number Two in a, a TV right. movie and um, doing one episode of a show called Neon Rider, which I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Before. Yeah, so. it sounds like a bad '90s spinoff of Knight Rider. <laughs> so Maybe yeah, been. he he was uh, he was you know green. You're right. Um, but it wasn't a big deal, like in the overall. I mean, it was one small scene that, right. you know, wasn't that that big a deal. So, um, I just but compared like, to everybody else. Yeah, I, I feel like with the way the the subplot went, or the the plot around Simon slash Sid and the the secret that he's holding, and kind of all that stuff, I feel like that needed more more screen time and more time for Ken Pogue as Simon to kind of do stuff. Um, yeah. Or tell us why this all went down the way it did. Yeah. You know, give us a good reason for this and why it needs to stay hidden and why it comes back. And, you know, he immediately has to do something about it now. He can't just forget it because nobody else knows anything. Right. Nobody knows about it. It happened over 50 years prior. And yet he's all about, like, I've got to take care of this now. And he's being this ruthless gangster. But yet he's this, mm-hmm. he, he publicly, he's the biggest philanthropist in town. Right. So then there's the weird thing of like, how does he not know who Duncan is or Duncan not Mm -hmm. know who he is? Right. Not only that, but the moment where Margaret and Simon both see him and they both recognize Duncan, Duncan recognizes Margaret. And we've Mm -hmm. seen him recognize people from his past that have aged before, yet he had no idea who Simon was. And that felt really weird to me. Right. Well, he never had that big of that much to do with Simon. Like Simon came and talked to him once. Like it was his brother Joey that Duncan really had the run in with for the most part. And yeah. then they had that talking like I guess you yeah, could, I, you could say I, that. I still I you know, I'm on the fence on that one. I can understand why it's it's a bump for you. Uh, I don't know. It's just one more thing in this episode that it just kind of like, okay, whatever. <laughs> didn't didn't do it for me one way or the other. I mean, no, no one aside from uh, young Sid, Michael Sunzik, no one was bad. And he wasn't even that bad. He just was stiff. He was a little wooden. Right. Yeah. Um, and he was, he especially, again, the dichotomy compared to Tamara Gorski as Peggy just going all out. So it sort of mm-hmm. made him feel even more wooden in, in that scene. Right. But, you know, like, I'm, I'm not slagging on Tony Rosato. Uh, I just think that the character was just needed to be dialed back. And I think were this a mm-hmm. show either being made now, or if it was something that was a little more long form and they had more time to build up to a character, um, in characterization, they probably would have noticed that. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, for all we know, he was cast and had a, a couple of weeks to figure things out and then they've got a week to shoot right. it. And it's like, yeah, with the way production goes. So it's, it's nobody's fault. I just wish that it could have been executed better because I do feel like, like Tony Rosado has got some comedic chops. Oh yeah. But a lot of his humor in this as Benny is cringy in a way that's just like trying too hard to be that. And we've seen that. I've seen that before. And I just feel like it could have been done to match the rest of the tone, because you're right. The slapstick, mm-hmm. it's very slapstick. It's very cartoonish at times. Um, and then to have Ken Poe playing things very straight, like have him go way over the top and be crazy then and kind of match that energy. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it doesn't feel so out of place. Sure. So not bad 
could be better. Yeah. yeah well, okay. Why? So I'm not Michael Milken, right? But hey, he's no Al Capone either, right? You know Capone? Don't encourage him. Did I know Capone? So our flashback, we have two. Um, Mm -hmm. and they take place at the Coconut Lounge in 1938, and it's in Seacover. And honestly, a lot of the narrative of the story is told in these flashbacks. Um, Mm -hmm. The the main plot points are driven by these flashbacks. And for me, it's the strongest stuff in the episode Um, because I think to piggyback on what we were just talking about with... um, with our special guest, Benny is being Benny, but he's like a a subdued version of it. He's not quite as over the top as he becomes. Mm -hmm. He's still, you know, Hey, Hey, how you doing? Um, and he's he's trying to get everything done, but like, it's not, it's not quite up to a 10. He's, he's sitting around a, an eight. Um, and it kind of works a little better. Plus he's not in it a ton. So he's not Mm -hmm. overexposed. Um, yeah. My but headcanon, they, he, he's killed in the 30s and is this character already when he's killed and he wakes up and more like, ah, I can keep doing this. Okay. Yeah, basically, in fact, uh, if I went on to, um, there's a there's a page that has a bunch of the Watcher information and it's the, the fandom page for Highlander. Okay. Uh, and his character was killed initially, he was born in like 1895, killed sometime in the 20s. Um, because he was cheating at cards with somebody. That makes sense. Yeah. You're, you're not far off at all. Um, and it works like his, his introduction works. Um, (laughs) when he trips on the stairs, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, they're just going all out for it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like that's, I like everything about him in the flashback, except that that could have (laughs) gone. And it's actually funnier for me then. Um, where he, if he doesn't trip on the stairs and he's just being like treated poorly by all the wait staff, like mm-hmm. that to me is funnier. But um, yeah, I love the set in the flashback. I love the the yeah. look of the it's coconut lounge. Well done. It felt like a uh, a lounge in the '30s in you know the West Coast. It had the mm-hmm. look to it. It had the lighting to it. Um, they did great with all the costuming, all the extras roaming around. They had yep. the musical number, which was really cool. I like, I yeah. like Duncan getting starstruck by the singer, and being you know just being awestruck by her, and and mm-hmm. so therefore there's a reason for us to focus on her singing, right? But then, you know, again, I think it's kind of cool writing to then have the wheel start to, starting to turn on our plot during her song, because mm-hmm. you're seeing she's singing. Duncan's checking her out, but he's also seeing Joey because Benny's telling him who mm-hmm. Joey is. And he's seeing how Joey acts towards other people. And she's seeing how Joey acts with the other women. And she's mm-hmm. noticing Duncan and Sid's noticing her and Sid's noticing Joey and Duncan and starting to get the wheels turned and the gears right. are going. And I like that. That was, that was well, I think well staged and well kind of mm-hmm. brought out. Um, and this so, is one of those things that defines Benny that, in a way that I think they didn't use well. It's like, yes, he's the bumbling type, but he's also the guy who's got his ear to the ground and knows everything. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That would have been nice to see more of that played up or used somehow. But yes, like that's how we get all of these connections. He's telling Duncan about this guy and that guy and her and what's going on. Duncan's just like, oh, okay. The brothers are doing their other things. Benny's the one that's connecting all the dots. Yeah, exactly. 
The, the, the use of Benny in this flashback is so much better than the use of him in present day. Mm-hmm. So much better. Um, and just overall, like the feel of the, the flashbacks, I liked how the first part of it is the music and then the dance number um, with, uh, with him and Peggy, um, which also mm-hmm. gives us some more opening credits shots where he spins and dips yeah. her. That's in the opening uh-huh. credits moving forward. Um, yep. So, and what I liked again was it was just long enough. Like they didn't overdo the dancing portion of it, but they gave us enough of mm-hmm. that, that then when we see Duncan dancing in the next scene with Anne, it mm-hmm. makes sense why Margaret would recognize him. She sees somebody dancing that catches her eye. And then when she recognizes who it is, mm-hmm. you know, there's that connection there. So that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that the uh, like the whole of the flashback was good. Uh, it was my favorite mm-hmm. stuff in this. I liked yeah. Sid, you know, moving the pieces together and getting Duncan back to the club and getting Joey out there to talk to him in an upset manner, so that he doesn't, yep. so that he has, so that Sid has control of the whole situation the entire time and can use everything mm-hmm. to his advantage. So. That's the story that I wish they would have stuck with a lot more than the Benny stuff where he, where Benny's trying to get himself out of being in trouble. Right. So that's, that's just me. Like good, good flashback stuff. I, mm-hmm. I really liked it. And I liked that they didn't have to, um, they didn't have any sort of like, there's a connection with an immortal in the past. Uh, but who Duncan's really dealing with in the present day are these other people. So we get to see them kind of age. Right, too, which is a little different, and I yeah. like that. So it's good yeah. stuff. And they did good good transitions into the flashbacks this time. Nothing like really good transitions. Nothing weird. So yeah, it's little things like that that I notice every once in a while. And this one, both of them, they were very nice. You know, uh, you know, zoom into this, zoom out in the flashback kind of thing that yeah. worked really well. And good transition into the flashbacks just makes it a smoother uh, storytelling. And I appreciate that mm. as a viewer. Right. Also, the music was great in the flashbacks. It had yeah. that same thing. It had like the whole atmosphere of the flashback was perfect, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it just really captured was. everything. So it's good stuff. Benny's downstairs. Uh-huh. Mac, he's really sorry. I mean, he's like, um, he's crying for Pete's sake. Well, he's probably got an onion in his pocket. Oh, come on, Mac. Can't you just give the guy a break? He killed me. Oh, Mac, he didn't really kill you. I mean, uh... So Richie, um... Doesn't have a ton in this episode, but he's in a little bit of it. I liked what they did with him, though. Yeah. Um, and I liked what Richie did in this episode because you got to see both sides of Richie. There's the mm-hmm. young, energetic, oh, you knew Al Capone, Richie? The the bright-eyed kid right. that, that I loved because he latches on to Benny right away. And that does... That works because... Benny is the type of person that can smooth talk his way into anything is, is kind of mm-hmm. what we're supposed to be led to believe. So it makes sense to have Richie fall for that right away. Richie is still pretty naive. I don't think he falls for it. He makes a comment later on that he knew he was full of it. So I think it's more of Richie just kind of glomming onto it and having fun with the ride. Yeah. But knowing who he is, like I think, cause I'm pretty sure there's yeah. a line where he's like, I knew he was full of it. So I, you know, I think it's just young immortal Richie enjoying what he can while he can. Um, but also the other thing I like about it is that 
you know, with Richie's character, he's still in charge of the dojo. So like he's mm-hmm. the one that Betty meets yeah. trying to find Duncan. Mm-hmm. You know, so little things like that that tell you Richie's still maturing in charge of stuff. Yeah. But and still he's gonna listen to a good story about old gangsters. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. But what I also like is then we get the flip side of that, which is Benny rubbing people the wrong way and getting to a point mm-hmm. where people are just tired of the same shtick over and over. Right. Because then you get you get Richie towards the end where he's trying to work out and he's just like, yeah, I don't care anymore about your stories. Like, I don't care about the mm-hmm. Canadian gangster that you knew. And he, and, and it works perfectly with like the scene right before that. We, we know that Duncan almost got shot and Anne almost got shot. So like, here's Richie. Mm-hmm. He's now kind of fed up with Benny because Benny nearly got his friends hurt. Right. Whereas a couple of scenes earlier, you know, he's saying like, well, yeah, but I mean, he didn't really mean he didn't really kill you. But now that mm-hmm. Anne almost got hurt, now that gets Richie's dander right. up because it's like it's not just mm-hmm. Duncan anymore, right? And so I like that because again, that's the maturation of Richie. For sure, we're seeing. So it was it was good stuff. It was good Richie in this episode. Um, and if you're not going to have him part of the main plot, which he has no reason to be in this, um, this is the perfect way to utilize him, right? So I appreciate that. Anne does have a little bit more in this. She's back after an episode off. And overall, I'm glad she's back and I like where they're going with it. I just feel like maybe, maybe you wait an episode or two before you start her kind of pushing again. Mm -hmm. I sort of like, I get it. It's her character. It's who she is. She's not going to let up. Right. It's like, she's like, I'm not going to push. But if I were going to push, this is what I would do. And like immediately. And I think if it was any other episode, I wouldn't have liked that as much. But because this episode already has the kind of comedy it does with it, her pushing the way she is and Duncan going, you're pushing. Yeah. Okay. But if I'm going to push, I'm going to say this. But you're pushing. <laughs> that's a very like, good point. That, that's their back and forth this episode. And if, if it what if it was a more serious episode, a more uh, toned down episode, that would have seemed weird, almost cringy. But in mm-hmm. this episode, when you got a character like Benny walking around, that's <laughs> yeah, not so bad. That's true. That's a very good point. With Benny come with Benny hanging around, you can get away with a lot more goof. Um, it, and and again, like it makes sense for Anne to sort of be the way that she is, right? She's mm-hmm. she doesn't take anything from anybody and she's been no nonsense since she was uh introduced you know right. in, the, in the episode with the revolutionary uh where she's just at the hospital and she doesn't really know duncan yet she's immediately like no you people can't do what you're doing get out of here you know yelling at the the guy who's trying to have a press conference in her hospital so mm-hmm. i get it and it, it does it does overall work um i just may i personally would have liked it if they could have waited a little bit but at the or same time have her more far away because she shows up and all of a sudden is okay with Duncan. I'm like, we don't have a reason for her to be okay with Duncan yet. The last episode, she thought Duncan was out of his mind. He finished the episode. We knew it, he wasn't out of his mind, but Anne doesn't know that because he hasn't explained anything to her. Yeah. And so it's like, she said goodbye and now she's back for some reason. Like, well, she's had, I would, yeah. I would have I mean, had her back somehow but still 
Like, she can't just break it off like that. She's got to call or she's got to show up or something. Maybe not go straight to bed, but have something where it's like, you know, maybe just the date or maybe just meeting for breakfast sometime. Yeah. Um, you know, take it just, I'm with you, maybe take one episode and slow it down just a little bit more than they did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, you know, on top of that, like nearly getting shot by somebody out of the blue where, Mm -hmm. and Duncan doesn't explain anything to her and she seems to not have a problem with that. Although we don't see her the rest of the episode, they didn't have like a huge blow up about it either. And that also feels Mm -hmm. like it's a little rushed. Like she's just, all right, I guess I'm just going to deal with this. And so it just, I think what it came down to is it felt, uh, it felt like they were compressing a couple, two to three episodes worth of arc in terms of her coming back, trying not to press on it, but sort of starting to needle a little bit and deal with some more weird stuff into mm-hmm. one episode. And they could have, right. they could have let that breathe a little bit more. Um, but again, if, if they were going to do that in any episode, this is the one to do it in. <laughs> also very true. Um, and no Joe this week. Um, he's yeah. off doing whatever, but we did see the bar. So. They're getting, their, they're getting their mileage out of that set, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, no, not really, Mac. You see, uh, I mean, Leon's boys aren't the type that are just going to go away, <laughs> especially after what you just did to them, <laughs> for which I'm eternally grateful, you know. You know. So there's, there, there is no immortal fight to end this episode. There's no quickening because mm-hmm. the only other immortals are Richie and Benny, and he's not fighting either of them. Right. The closest we get is the final standoff with Sid where he spills the beans on everything that happened and then gets shot by Margaret. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, just not much to say there, but as an episode on the whole, like it's fine. I, the more I think about it and the further I get away from watching it initially, the, the more I'm appreciating other aspects of it Mm -hmm. to where I'm not letting the stuff with Benny drag me down, I guess it would be the way that I would put it. Like I can kind of appreciate it as well. Again, it's syndicated episodic television. There's going to be weird standalone Mm -hmm. episodes i don't have a problem with standalone episodes i think that just the tonal difference in this one from from some other ones can be a bit jarring um so yeah i think that's the thing about this episode there's two things there's one benny as a character just Mm -hmm. takes it to a level that makes it a little weird compared to the rest of the series and so it's just this episode isn't an anomaly right now it's not bad Mm -hmm. But it's not to the same level most of the rest of this season has been as where we're going. The second thing is, this is an episode where two immortals are friends and they do not fight. And we don't have a quickening. The the thing about this episode is dealing with actual mortals. And I really dug that aspect of it. That we get an episode where it's it's dealing with their immortality, but it's not about two immortals coming against each other. It's about mortal immortals dealing with mortal things. Mm -hmm. And that, that played well enough for this episode to make it really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here is what I would have, what I would love to have had happen for this episode. I think would have made it something that for me would have been better is falling along those lines instead of Benny, being the one that ran afoul of Simon and because of that gives up Duncan as like a, a sacrificial lamb in order to save his own skin, have the Benny that we see in the, in the flashback, have the flashbacks all play out the same way, 
But in the present day, Simon Lang finds out about Duncan because he's in the same town as him. Mm-hmm. And somehow through the grapevine realizes that he knows about what happened for whatever reason. You can manufacture a reason for that. Maybe it's yeah. just that maybe that's the connection with Benny is Benny, Benny knew enough and he was working for Lang or something. Like there's a way to mm-hmm. do that. I can't have think of it off the top know, of my head. But. Have Benny know Duncan. Benny owes Simon, but not with his life. But Simon's going to make him think he owes with his life because of whatever to get Duncan. Okay, that could work. That could work, yeah. So just push, push Benny to get to Duncan. Yeah, something along those lines. And I think it works a little bit better. And it, it mm-hmm. also allows for less... Again, have have Benny be the slightly more toned down version from the 30s instead of like, it's almost like he started down that path in the 1930s and just never got stopped, and it was right. never it was completely unchecked for 60 years, and so mm-hmm. it just got to the point where he was at now. Plus, he had a couple of, I got to play these. At the beginning of the episode, uh, when he calls Simon Sid, and Sid says, "Don't call me Sid," and he slaps him. Um, uh-huh. that's a funny moment or that's a, that's a, you know, strong moment. But the funny part of it was the sound effect they had for the owl. Cause listen to this. Tell me this isn't hilarious. He slaps him and you hear. Ow. Ow. <laughs> that's not the voice of, of anybody that's in this episode. Like, I don't know where that came from, but just <laughs> total cartoon thing. And then oh also, uh, Benny, Benny using this phrase, which, I've never heard anyone say ever in my life. Like a schmengi guy. What's a schmengi guy? <laughs> I don't know. Like a schmengi guy. So, wow. I had to had to get those. Had to play those for you. Um, yeah. It's, it's not again. It's not bad. I just want want more. I want something. I, I want I, it better. Like this yes. is a first draft. It needs a second draft. You know what it felt like is it felt like they had this idea for Duncan was involved in something with this old gangster and the guy's still being this gangster, but he's trying to put on a facade of being a philanthropist story. Mm -hmm. And then they took, they were like, oh, but what if he had an immortal friend that was also part of all of it? And he's kind of goofy and they shoehorn that in there. So it, it felt like they needed to go one direction or the other. And instead they tried to kind of go with both. Yeah. And that's where it didn't, they didn't mesh well. What's the name of the French guy that was next to Duncan's boat in France? Maurice. Maurice. This was the American version of Maurice for a whole episode. Yes. Uh, A far more annoying version of Maurice. Mm -hmm. Because Maurice, we talked about it with season two. Maurice gets some arc to him. And we end up with moments where Maurice is like, oh, see, because they would tone him down a little bit. He wasn't always at a 10. And that was the problem with Benny is Benny was always at a 10 and he needed to just Mm -hmm. dial that back a bit. So, you know, again, it's not terrible, um, but you're right. It could be better and and we want it to be better. Another thing is what kind of sword would Benny have? (sighs) Boy, uh, it would be a short sword for sure. (laughs) Um, Maybe he's an immortal with a knife. Boy, it could be, but... But he's got to have something bigger than a knife because, yeah, uh, because you can't decapitate somebody with a sword or with a knife very easily. Mm-hmm. And although I could see him, I could absolutely see him as like 
in the 30s carrying a Tommy gun because he would think that's the right. way he's supposed to look. And I could see him still doing that and yeah. using that and then cutting, you know, decapitating his foe if he had to. I also think he's the kind yeah. of guy that would avoid a fight at all costs. Oh, yeah. For he sure. Do anything like, and I, everything he could. Like in my head, that's how he survives. He's just another immortal. If he realizes they're not friendly, he just runs away. Mm-hmm. He doesn't put up with that at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, good. it's fine. It's a fine episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's there's nothing inherently terrible about it, but it's also not great. Um, right. This falls on the list of like, if you want to skip one, you can. Like, you're not going to hurt anything. There's some moments in it that are okay, but for the most mm-hmm. part, you know, you're not missing much here. Uh, now, yeah. next week. It's, like we, oh, it's not like we get anything much with Anne either. It's like she shows up. Okay. Next yeah. time she's around, I'm sure we'll get the same thing and start at the same spot wherever they were in this episode. So it's not like you're getting anything with Anne either. So. Right. Yeah. There's just not a lot of like forward momentum in this one, mm-hmm. which is fine. There doesn't have to be in every episode. Um, right. Uh, so next week's episode is They Also Serve. And m- if memory serves me correctly, uh, this one has to deal with a watcher and an immortal working together. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if, it, if it's what I'm remembering or not. So that's going to be next week. Um, we're getting closer. We're, we're, we are just a couple of episodes away from the Kalos cycle, from the three-episode arc with Kalos mm-hmm. and uh, eventually Mythos. And I'm excited because it's some of my favorite stuff in this season and in the show. Um, nice. I can't wait. Uh, but but next week is is going to be episode twelve. So if you like this show and you want to you want to listen to us uh, record it live, um, we do record live every Tuesday night, nine p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis, and you can hang out, be in the chat room with us, uh, kind of see the segments as we put them together. Um, it's always fun. And then the show will come out uh, on Thursdays um, at uh, anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander or anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, leaving a rating and review, especially on Apple is a great way for us to be discoverable as well as places like Spotify or Google podcasts. Um, it helps, it helps more than, you know, um, so we do appreciate that. You can also check out, uh, all of Audie's artwork. He's doing uh, bespoke art for each episode. And I mentioned to you before we started recording that your artwork is, is way better of Benny for this episode than he deserves. <laughs> uh, and where can people yeah. find where you're posting the art? Uh, I posted, uh, I think I just posted it on Twitter today and I didn't post it anywhere else, but I'll, I'll put that up. Uh, Twitter, you can find me at oddly normal one with the one spelled out. Uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's Audi, A-U-D-I-E underscore Norman, N-O-R-M-A-N, all lowercase. And I'll put stuff there too. So, um, it's really, really good. And really, I mean, what else were you going to do for this episode? It's either Benny or like you could have... I think had they focused more on the flashback, you could have gone with like Peggy. Yeah, maybe. And I that, thought about that. But Benny's the Benny's the thing anybody's going to remember about this episode if they see it. So, made, right. made perfect sense. And I had sense. to put him in there. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. Kind of oh, fun. boy, and his hat. In the one scene where he's wearing his hat, that hat was ridiculous and way, just the wrong size for him. It was the wrong hat altogether. Like, it, what's great is in the 30s, he looked good. Like the suit he had was nice. And it's almost like he mm-hmm. never, he wasn't able to keep his style because everything he wore present day looked like it was, and maybe that was a conscious choice to have him look like he's just a, a schlub and he can't 
keep that style because nothing looked like it matched. Mm-hmm. But yet he was still trying yeah. to be the wise guy. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, come back next week for episode 12. They also serve. Uh, I think this yeah. is going to be a fun one. Um, I don't remember a lot about it, but like I said, I think there's watchers and immortals working together and it's not Horton. So what do you know? Um, but until then, until episode 12, they also serve. Just remember that there can be only one. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>